Most of us have learned to perfect the wasting of time in frivolous pursuits, not throughout all of life, but at least in portions of it, there are spending time doing things that have very little lasting value. Do you ever pause for just a little bit to ask yourself the question, how am I spending my time? A recent episode of Duck Dynasty featured the guys on the show making a trip to a new donut shop that had come up in town and they were all so eager to eat the donuts that one of them even said if it came down to whether it was going to be donuts or the beard, the beard would have to go. That's pretty drastic, friends. (laughs) That's pretty drastic. When they got into the shop... They all were talking about how many donuts they thought they could eat. And Cy said to them, he said, he said, I can eat more donuts than any of you. And so it all began. They sat down at the counter and the lady there was more than happy to bring them donut after donut. In fact, she began to bring the donuts by the box and set it in front of these men. Cy was on his third box of donuts and looked around and the other guys were turning quite pale and they gave up and said, you win, after he had just about consumed three boxes of donuts. He said, what's wrong? He said, I'm just getting started. I don't know how many he could have eaten, but he proved himself very capable of consuming donuts. Now, that was only the beginning of the story because the rest of the day, as you can imagine, was absolutely ruined. They had eaten so many donuts. Have you ever been so full you could do no work? It's a terrible thing. They went back to Duck duck Commander, to their place of business, and and they, none of them, were able to do a lick of work the rest of the day because they had just overindulged entirely. Every, Every culture has its distractions. You know that we have our share of distractions. They're all around us. They come to us in the form of food, as these guys discovered on the show, but they come very close and they are wonderful temptations. In disguise, they come to us. I want you to know that I did not eat a fried Twinkie this week, okay? I kept talking myself out of it, even though we were serving them up through the window. I talked myself out of it because I thought to myself, get a grip on it, Bill. You don't have to have one of these. And I finally coached myself into not eating a fried Twinkie, but I woke up this morning with fried Twinkies on my mind. (laughs) And I thought to myself... I could have done it. I could have even said it was in the Lord's business and I was raising money for missions by eating this Twinkie and I missed my opportunity. So next year, you watch me, I'm going to eat a fried Twinkie. (laughs) There are far too many 
distractions out there. And I guess maybe that's what I've tried to be aware of. Donuts, I love them. And my heart goes out to these guys who trap themselves in eating too many of them. There's one thing that is a greater temptation to me even still than a donut shop, and that is a precious place that's entitled the Waffle House. Are you with me on this? Oh man, the Waffle, I love the Waffle House. I admit it to you, I confess to you. I confess to you that I love the Waffle House. I love the Waffle House so much so that this past Christmas, a year ago, nearly now, one of my daughters had a friend of hers who's in the t-shirt business make me up a special t-shirt that had the Waffle House emblem on the front of it. She presented it to me for Christmas. But get this, you know what she had printed on the back? Members only. I love wearing that shirt into the Waffle House. What are the little things that gobble your time and resources? Do you ask yourself this or do you just simply go through life thinking to yourself, that's a good experience, that's a good experience, that's a good experience, or I like doing this, I like doing it. In fact, it's just such a beautiful day, I think I'll go out and play golf today and play golf tomorrow. I'm really stepping on toes now, I know. But I've just talked about Waffle House, so you guys get over it. You and I make choices <coughs> in the way in which we live. Every day we make choices. Are we making choices that rob us of the presence of God? That's the question that I have for you. And really it's not my question that is being raised, but it is the Apostle Paul's question himself as he comes and he seeks to engage in a realistic way with the church, the early church at Ephesus. He's wanting to ask them to think about how they're living. He says, be careful how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Now think about this just a little bit. I don't rise in the morning thinking, boy, this is going to be an evil day. Usually I'm thinking to myself, this is a God-blessed occasion. God has given us this day. This is the day that the Lord has made, right? Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the type of way in which I want to enter the day, even if it's overcast and rainy. It's a day that the Lord has made for us to rejoice in. So why in the world would the Apostle Paul use these words? It is an odd statement at best. The days are evil? And yet it has become the mantra of some groups of Christians who have allowed it to so guide their thinking of God, their thinking of the world, that they have become very misshaped in their understandings. Some think that all the world is evil that there is something that is rumbling at all times within the very nature of what it means to live on planet Earth, that it is opposed to the very nature of God. In fact, there are some groups of Christians that so have convinced themselves that the world is evil, that there is nothing that is really redeemable about it except but what the Lord has already redeemed. 
and he will call his own home to him. And that is the only good thing that really is going to come out of it all. You and I let this kind of thinking occasionally drift into our own way of handling the world. Oh, you've sung that hymn of years past, the world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. And we think to ourselves, isn't that a good hymn? Without thinking about the implications of what we've just said, without thinking about the implications of that kind of theology, it sounds like Paul. It sounds so like Paul. Even Paul said, the days are evil. And God will come someday to rescue us from this evil world. And yet I want to submit to you that you can do all kind of damage by just reading half of a verse. In fact, that's exactly the opposite of what the Apostle Paul is saying. Paul is asking those in the church at Ephesus to be aware that without thinking... Truly the day does become evil without our becoming engaged with Christ, with our not taking on the presence of Christ in our lives, that we will be making decisions that lend themselves to nothing of any good. Paul is seeking to express to us that we are called to be a people that rise above the ways in which the world fashions its time. Just before this passage that was read this morning here in Ephesus, Ephesians, the, the Apostle Paul says, do not be angry and do not steal. Do not let evil talk come out of your mouths. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not let yourself be put away with Bitterness and, and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander and malice. Because he knows that this so easily can trickle into our understanding of what's acceptable when it comes to following Christ. But he's saying this is what makes our days evil. Not allowing Christ to be our guide through every moment of it. Does the name Chess McCartney ring a bell with any of you? Chess was better known as the Goat Man. How many of you ever saw the Goat Man? I'm curious about that. We are becoming fewer and fewer in number. Chess died in 98. Um, I'm so proud that he was a Georgian, at least toward the end of his life. You may have heard the stories about he traveled back and forth across this nation with his little wagon not only pulled by goats, they're crunching its way down the sides of streets and usually in the streets and causing all kinds of snarls with traffic. These metal wheels would grind their way onto their next stop he was pulled by goats, and he pulled goats behind him, and he had goats all inside of that wagon of his. He looked like just another character on Duck Dynasty. That's really the best way to describe him. 
he was a fascinating man. I remember he came and he parked his goat wagon across the street from the church that my father was pastoring in Macon. At that time, Martha Bowman Church was on the outskirts of Macon. Now it has been swallowed by greater Macon. But at that time, it was on the outskirts of Macon. And he, living not too far away in Jeffersonville, felt like, well, this is close enough to home. I'll just park here. And we thought it was just going to be an overnighter kind of thing. But a week later, he was still there. Now, Chess was not the cleanest guy in the world. Everything for him was refuse, and everywhere he went, he left refuse. And so when he would eat there at that spot and live, he would just toss whatever into the air, and it would find its way into the ditch beside him, but also onto the property of the church that my father was pastor of. One day, when Dad realized that he was set up for a fortnight there, my dad is the most gracious and loving, compassionate fellow that I have ever known. But my dad said to me, he said, you want to go meet the goat man? And I said, do I want to go meet the goat man? I was about six years old. This was the best thing I'd ever heard. And so I can remember that we walked across and my dad introduced himself to Chess and he said, he said, I'm the pastor of this church. Chess said, you're the pastor of that church. And Dad said, yes. And Chess said, this is wonderful. He said, he said, I'm a pastor too. I want you to know that. Well, truth is, he, I guess he was self-ordained in that way because he did have a chapel on his property that Mike could seat two or three persons. And he was the pastor of that church that chapel but he said he continued in that conversation and he said he said to my dad he he said oh he said I read the scripture all the time in fact in fact I'll, I'll prove it to you and with that he got up from where he was sitting and crawled into the belly of that wagon of his and in just a few moments he came out cursing a blue streak let me tell you this was an eye-opening experience for a six-year-old who had just heard a man say, I'm not only a preacher, I read the Bible. It was an awakening to an idea that Christians come in all sorts of forms. <laughs> he was cursing a blue streak. And, and you know what he was cursing? He was cursing his goats who... Those blankety-blank goats have had it my Bible again. <laughs> they were eating it for lunch, I guess. <laughs> and it was a ragged Bible, I must tell you. And he came up and he lifted it up and he said, he said, but see, I read my Bible every day. And I don't doubt that he did. But what I'm here to tell you today is that I really think that the polish had worn off of the idea of being the goat man for Chess McCartney at that point. And that it was the hype itself maybe that was driving who he was. You know, I even wonder to myself if someone had asked him at that moment, do you really want to be the goat man? If he would have been able to say, yes, I want to be the goat man. Because I think that you and I get caught in who we are 
the definition of who we allow ourselves to become. Those things that consume our time, consume our days, can begin to plague us. The very notion of who we are begins to be this burden that we carry. Is this who I have to be for the rest of my life? And we go to our grave, as John Wesley would say when he would visit people, they're teetering on the edge of the grave. We go to our grave carrying these things that we don't want to be on us. I had a friend of years past who is now gone. He had Parkinson's disease. He was a precious soul, but day by day he was being consumed by that terrible disease. He kept a cheerful spirit as much as anybody I have seen dealing with insurmountable difficulties. He and I used to get together on a weekly basis and play backgammon. That's my favorite game. And I asked him if he knew how to play it. He said, I'll learn. And from that point on, I would go over to his house and we would play backgammon together. Some of you may say, well, that was a waste of time. I want to beg with you an understanding that may be different. Oh, such holy times around that little board just in the visiting that we did and the prayer that we spent together in that place was so enriching and we always had to stop at the top of the hour why because Bill collected clocks and the walls of that room that we were in were covered with clocks and the wall of his den, it was covered with clocks. Even in his kitchen, in his bedroom, down the hallway, everywhere you looked in his house, the clocks would all chime at the top of the hour. And it was a raucous mess trying to communicate. I just gave up on it. And one day I asked him, I said, I said, why so many clocks? And he said, well, he said, I just like them. I said, come on. He said, it, he said, it reminds me of the precious nature of time. Precious nature of time. As for one whom I know was counting his days, better than you and I, we let time pass by day after day after day without having any sense of the fact that this is going to run out. This is going to run out. One day, this is going to run out. You and I have the opportunity today to think, are we using our time wisely? That's what Paul's getting at here. Be careful how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise. Making the most of the time because the days are evil. At least they certainly can be if we don't have any more mind than to think about how we're using this time. It can become a cumbersome thing, this living day to day. I see some people that carry it on their shoulders. Oh, goodness, you can look. Even when they tell you that they're doing something that they want to do, you can see it in their eyes that they are trapped. 
in a very wearisome place. You remember the words of Jesus. Come to me, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so how do we answer this question that we have in our mind, and what do we do? What in the world do we do? Jesus told us what to do. Come to Him. Come to Him. You see, this is the plague of our lives that robs us, that robs us of life itself is that somehow we think that we are completing things by doing what we want to do. That we have a right to eat that or to spend our time in this way. Doesn't anybody know how hard I've worked? We've just lost it, more so than we realize when we get to that place. Because Jesus says, you think the church is a heavy burden? You don't understand the church. You don't understand my work. You come, you come invest yourself in my work and see how it will bless you. Isn't it always that way? I have never, I have never heard one person who has involved themselves in the mission of our Lord say to me afterwards, I wish I hadn't done that. Every single soul has said, can you believe how the Lord blesses? We have an opportunity. The psalmist said, teach us to count our days that we may gain a wise heart. Are you counting your days? Are you counting them? Go ahead and put that app on your phone. You know that death app? You know there's one out there, don't you? There is. There's a death app. You calculate how many days you have left. Go ahead and put it on there, just for the heck of it. Go ahead and do it. And if somebody says, well, that's morbid, say, no. I'm trying to remind myself that each day, each day is precious in the Lord. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's the rest we need. As we come to the close of this worship, I want to open this altar for any that are here who have never given themselves completely to following Jesus to make that decision and to come forward. For those that would like to offer themselves anew, this altar is open to you again today.